Abba Yahweh, thank you. Your trust in me is the conduit for your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom to share with my brothers and sisters. And whosoever would have an ear to let them hear. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua, Aman. Parakritos, Aman. So, brothers and sisters, um, you know, I share with you often, and I'm going to repeat what I've told you before about how sometimes I can become very verbose and, and it gets a little lengthy, but I, I can't help to be excited and share the Word of God, and sometimes I just get that way. Um, you don't have to listen to the whole thing at one time. Pause it, come back, or if you choose that you don't want to listen, then simply don't. It's not going to hurt me or hurt my feelings in any way, shape, or form if you don't. It would sad me because this is the word of God, his truth, his knowledge, and wisdom. It's not about me. And this is about no validation from mammon or any one of you out there that listen. Quite honestly, I don't need that validation. The validation comes from God. And that is the greatest validation that any single one of us should be concerned with. Not from what people are going to say about us or, you know, their opinions. Their opinions are not facts about anything. It is only their perception. So the validation that God sees and has is the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that is important. So let's get beyond some of these things. Um, the confirmation that I love is is when I can get up in the morning and I go through my devotional and God has something very specific for me that has something that I've either shared or something that has taken place. Um, and then I go to church and our lead pastor who or whoever is speaking um, leads in a confirmation about things that I've either been sharing with you or talking about or specifically for me. Um, so that being said, um, we've been talking about white noise and interference and distractions. And to remind you that white noise is, um, some of us that are my age will remember this, uh, some of the younger millennials or younger people that have no idea what I'm talking about. Or if you are um, a stereophile or uh, someone that knows about radio technology, you'll know what white noise is. Um, as a younger person, if you fell asleep watching a late, late show and you woke up to go to bed or you were woken up because you hear this and you look at the TV screen and the broadcast is just, the screen is just a total... Blur. It looks like um, a blizzard, a snow blizzard. That's all you see on the screen, and you can hear the static. And that's all it is, is just static. Why? Because the broadcast has completed. There is nothing on the air. Um, some stations will put a test pattern on the screen, and um, but that's just an indication that the broadcast is finished. Whatever's being said or whatever's being shown is stopped. Satan uses white noise and static in many different guises and many different shapes uh, and ways. And it's a distraction for us to get caught up in that. And 
I got caught up in it at work, honestly. Um, and I w- didn't, I didn't immediately, and this is what we have to remember. You get caught up in this and, and you get caught into this distraction. You get anything, that, those little bullet prayers that I was telling you about, I failed. Um, you call out on God, you talk to him and a little bullet quick fr- prayer uh, for the Holy Spirit to guard your tongue and uh, as I say and I ask the Holy Spirit I ask him to keep the coals on my tongue to keep me from uh, responding uh, in a derisive way or a hurtful way I didn't go into any of that uh, but was very difficult for me because through the course of the evening at work the assault came um, heavily. And what goes completely against our natures in the midst of those things is to, uh, because of the distraction, you don't call out to God. You don't talk to God. You don't, Dad, help. Abba, Yahweh, help me. We don't do that. Instead, we get caught up into the, um, what is, uh, what was shared today was, um, the me and you or us and you sort of thing. And this is also perpetuated by the law, um, the written established law. By no means is this trying to say that we should be a lawless society, but it's we have to be cautious and remember that it's not us and them and me and you and looking at one another that way. And Jesus Christ came and... The law, as the Sanhedrin was kept heaping that on him, and it was all about us and them and the way that they went through society and they were causing a separation between themselves and the people. Um, And they did that constantly. Us and them, oh, we're the righteous because we study the law, we know the law, and the Torah says this and the law of Moses... And within the Sanhedrin, again, I share there were a couple sects of Pharisees and the Sadducees, and and there were those that believed in only the first five books of the Bible, and that was the law of Moses. And there were those that held on to that so firmly, and they all were ganging up on Jesus, and they were doing that because he was not adhering to the law as they studied it. And they were causing his separation from them. And it was us against you. And that's exactly what it came to. And it came to that point where they crucified him because of that. Now, Jesus did not come to cause a revolt and and not be of the law. But he came instead as a reformation, as, as our lead pastor today was putting the reformation Um, or a revolution. You can look at it that way. But again, this is not about becoming a lawless society. It's about not separating ourselves and hiding behind that as an us against them or you against me or anything of that nature, because God created us as brothers and sisters. He created all of us. And the character of our heart is established by us as a free will creation that God gave us a free choice. I choose instead, 
and I, I failed at it, and I immediately repented, and I prayed, and, and God, being the loving Father he is, allowed my forgiveness and, and just grabbed me and, and hugged me and said, I'm, I'm glad you saw that what you did was not right and that I, that I forgive you, I love you, and kissed me and it pulled me in and hugged me. And I could feel all that going on, but I had to I had to repent for what I did because it became a me against them. And they were very they were very racially motivated. They were very adherent to their and very very angry and very mean. But in the midst of that, what I'd failed to do is God, thank you for being with me. Holy Spirit, guide me, guide my tongue, hold my tongue so that I don't respond in like means and, and ways. Um, I wasn't getting like that, but I was not happy and it didn't make me feel well. But have to remember this too, brothers and sisters, that those type of things are not a personal assault. And I completely forgot about what the message was that was delivered to me was this is not who you are, but what you do. And I failed to remember that. And I failed to shoot out that quick prayer to the Holy Spirit. And I failed to thank God for being with me in the midst of whatever it is that we're in. And it's very easy for us to be distracted and not to do that. And it goes, it's contrary to our nature. Our nature is about me and you and us and them. That is, that's the nature of the beast that is within us. And in the midst of those, we have to be able to thank God for being with us, giving us strength and guiding us. And in the midst of it, thank. And instead of crying out, why God, why, why is this? I'm, ask God what you're trying to teach me through this. And that's immediately what was shown later, which is for my repentance and that there was a lesson to make me stronger, brothers and sisters, we must be stronger in the unity that we establish and share with each other instead of separation and the separatist attitude that is being pushed and pandered by individuals out there. Today. Look around you, brothers and sisters, what is going on behind these lies and the distraction that's being perpetrated around us. And brothers and sisters, I'm sharing with you again, it is nothing but a bunch of lies. And it's being established and being manipulated by the prince of the air, the prince of the airways, and that is Satan. False evidence appearing real, brothers and sisters, and this goes in anything, not just exactly what the immediate thing that's going on here, but looking around at the world. And because of Fear, driving people, people are reacting. Control is being established. And separatism is being established. Instead of unification that we are brothers and sisters through the blood bath that Jesus Christ had given to us and the baptism washing us clean, that we're brothers and sisters. And it establishes the fact, and this is scriptural, the fact that we are able to be brothers and sisters, heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ and the established kingdom of heaven. And we are called to be that, brothers and sisters. We have to be the light in the separatist attitude 
and the derisive nature that's being pushed on everyone. People are fighting over the fact that they're either with us or against us, period. Oh, you don't have a mask on, then you've got to be one of them. And, and brothers and sisters, people have been shot over this thing. People have been killed over this. Really? The derision is driving and people have become so hateful and angry. But brothers and sisters, I'm going to share this. This is really, this is powerful stuff. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read through the, the entire chapter quickly um, and share with you. And you hath he quickened who were dead and trespassed in sin. Now remember, I shared that with you, that, that word quickened because of the, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave by dying on the cross and that we were quickened by that fact. And, and remember what that, that um, quickened. It makes us uh, animated. It provides for us to, in, in the uh, scripture and in the gospel. Um, the quickening is animation. The appearing, appealing, arousing, bracing. It challenges us to be truthful, united, electrifies us, energizes us, enlivens, exhilarates, inspires. It is the intercession that we have to have for one another in prayer for one another. It causes us to be moved. It vitalizes. It's a thrilling, provocative, thought-provoking process that is established by that, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that is the quickening of our spirits, brothers and sisters. And that's what was done by his sacrifice. Where in the time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan. They call him the prince of the air. Brothers and sisters, you look around and you see what's going on with the use of the cellular telephone and the electron. Everybody goes to that thing for, the, for what they perceive to be the truth. Well, it wouldn't be in the computer or it wouldn't be in that if it wasn't true. Brothers and sisters, yes, it would be. And I watch, and, and I came to a realization today after the, after the message from uh, our lead pastor, Jamie, Dr. Jamie Miller, and the established truth through the word is, and, and I came to that realization that as I watch <clears throat> pedestrians that are so into this thing and they've got it in front of their face that they walk against the red light, walk right into moving traffic, and because they're startled that people honk their horn at them, they look up and immediately, what do they do? They react. They'll flip somebody off or they start screaming out cursory expletives. They don't realize that they've done something dangerous and they shouldn't be doing. I watch people drive. I almost got hit twice on my way to church today and looking over and having to swerve 
and I look over and the person is in their telephone as they're driving and then comes up next to me because I honk my horn and swear by, they come up at the red line, they look over and they shrug their shoulders and look at me and put their hands up as if, to, and, and roll the window down and what, what? They didn't even realize what was going on because they were so in-depth in this. And the realization that I came to is the fact that because Satan is driving the separation, he is looking to take people is looking for them to to be uh, destroyed as far as their living here, and that doesn't see this is this is what he is. He's about death. He's about condemnation. He's about destruction. He's not about building up, loving, saving, and and redeeming anyone. So if he takes someone before they have a chance to repent or before they have a chance to be saved. He counts that as a victory for himself and his minions, and that's good for him. That's all he cares about. So the realization is that, my goodness gracious, he's trying to keep people so in-depth into this that if they, if, they, if they die, that they also perish. Now remember, there's a difference between just dying and perishing, brethren. So this is perishing is eternal separation from God, our Father, Creator, and the love of Jesus Christ and our loved ones that we will for eternity be apart from that, that's perishing. But he's driving that and if they die and they're separated, then they also perish. And he counts that as a feather in his cap or a notch in his little trophy. Brothers and sisters, be aware. Be aware of the truth. Be aware of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that everyone has an opportunity to be saved. And he is the prince of the air, the power, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Remember, brothers and sisters, I talk about the mind, and Jesus talks about the mind, and this is Paul talking about the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Remember, brothers and sisters, he's quickened us. He's enlivened us. He's animated us through the Spirit. He wants us to be alive. He wants us to be electrified in his truth and his knowledge, his wisdom and his love, and that we are brothers and sisters, heirs and joint heirs in Jesus Christ with the kingdom and the state of heaven. Verse six, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding richness of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Brothers and sisters, we don't save ourselves we are drawn by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and he takes hold of our heart and draws us to repentance that we ask for forgiveness. We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Yes, God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten son, that he came for me and whosoever would hear the truth. And now I am brothers and sisters with, with them all. There is no us and them. There is no me and you. Father God, thank you. It's us only us. And I want to share your truth, your love with everyone. And 
Brothers and sisters, I pray, my Lord God, Abba Yahweh, Baraklitos, that you take hold of me and the change and that it begin in me. Brothers and sisters, we can't look at one another and say, yeah, the world will change if you do this and you do that. No, the world will change and we will be different if the change is in me and I can reflect the light of Jesus Christ to other people and they can see the beacon that leads to the safe haven. Remember, brothers and sisters, reflected light is much more powerful than direct light. For whatever reasons, when I learned this in science and, and physics in school, I still can't quite wrap my head around it, but for some reason, refracted or reflected light or light that is bent is much more intense, which is why headlights have a reflective dome that's behind the actual bulb and it's reflected out. It becomes much brighter. And in ancient days, that uh, that Greek, I can't remember, I think it was in the the... I want to say it was in the harbor of Phoenicia, but it doesn't make any difference. It was this huge giant, became one of the seven wonders of the world. And it was just ginormous. It was huge. It was tall. And on top of this, remember, there was no electricity and there was nothing back there. It was refracted light. It was bent light. It was reflected. It was an oil lamp. It burned oil. But the reflective surface that they polished and made it so bright behind that flame that this thing could be seen for miles in a darkened sea and a darkened night. And it drew the sailors to the safe haven. They knew if they, they traveled and they stayed to the right side of that, that uh, beacon, that they knew that was the entrance to the safe haven, the harbor where they needed to be. Brothers and sisters, if we reflect the light of Jesus Christ, and the word tells us that we need to reflect that light. We need to be brighter than this dark world that is constantly pushing derision, separation, hatred, and anger. And we need to reflect the light of Jesus Christ in us and be brighter than that darkness because why darkness cannot survive in light? Darkness will flee in light. And the minions and those that work for Satan hate light. They hate the light. They prefer to work in darkness. Brothers and sisters, Satan does not like the light. He prefers to function in darkness. It makes it easier for the Chaldeans, which remember is another uh, Bible speak term for demons. They are powerful archers and hunters that use the fiery darts and arrows they shoot against us. And this is why we need to have on the full armor of God, brothers and sisters. It is also spoken of in Ephesians. Go to chapter six. We fight not against those things that are temporal and carnal on this face of this earth, brothers and sisters, but we fight against principalities of darkness, of darkness, the breastplate of righteousness and our shield of faith that allows us to survive the fiery darts and arrows that are shot at us by the enemy. But most importantly, brothers and sisters, most importantly is the helmet of our salvation to help us to reset our mind, to focus on our mind that we have Jesus Christ came to sacrifice for us, that we have God as our sovereign King and Lord, and that we have the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Our mindset must wrap around that and focus on that. And the helmet of our salvation that we put on is key. Remember, I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters, that Satan attacks the mind. And why? Because it doesn't matter whatever your intellectual prowess is. That matters not. That is the weakest point of attack. 
And if you wear the helmet of your salvation and remind yourself constantly of the salvation, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you will be able to withstand the attack of the enemy, brothers and sisters. God made us a suit of armor, and it's reminded in the Bible by the writings of Paul to the church at Ephesus. We are reminded of that. But brothers and sisters, what good does a suit of armor do for anyone if you don't put it on and you don't wear it? God made it for us. We have to put it on. It's not cumbersome. It really isn't. But there are those, and I've shared this with you before, they look at it as a matter of inconvenience. They look at it as taking them out of their comfort zone. They'd much rather sit back in their easy chair. Brothers and sisters, we have to be uncomfortable. We have to thank God for the discomfort that he establishes because God is with us whithersoever we go. He promises that. And today, brothers and sisters at church, I was just so overwhelmed because they were crying out, to Yeshua, Haman, praiseworthy is God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. They are praiseworthy because they are with us wherever we go. We just have to talk to them. We have to call out to them. And as I failed in doing so myself last night and then repented of that very thing, the, the distraction that was thrown at me and I walk right into it. I walk right into the distraction. Brothers and sisters, I pray. This is what I pray for you every single day. My going out, my coming in every day. Abba Yahweh, I pray for my strength so that I can stand up boldly, that I do not exhibit cowardice, and that I don't compromise your truth, Father God, and to help me be strong and courageous, to be of good courage. And I pray this for my brothers and sisters. And when I say brothers and sisters, I'm not just talking about brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. I'm talking about those in the world. Everyone has that chance and that opportunity. And we are brothers and sisters because God created us that way. But the character of the heart of many is not to follow that. God decided the tonation and the palette used for coloration on his creation. But the character of our heart is established by ourselves. And I've shared with you before, brothers and sisters, those two natures that beat within our chest. One I love, the other I detest. So which one do you feed and nurture? And as that uh, little, it was a, a difference in, in the man and his two dogs, the one was black and the one was white, and he kept having this dream and going back and kept going to, to his pastor because he didn't understand the dream. He wanted clarification. And what it was was that illustration of that good and the bad nature. And his pastor asked him, he said, well, which one, you know, because the, they were always fighting, the dogs were fighting constantly, and he said, well, which one won? And he said, the one that I fed the best. So leaving that rather open-ended so that the imagination that you use on that illustration, which one do you feed? Do you feed the darkness, the hatred, the derisiveness? Or do you feed the love, the light, the white dog that is not about derisiveness, that it's about love, kindness, and reflecting the light of Jesus Christ to brothers and sisters. Going back into Ephesians 
chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh being by hands. Remember, brothers and sisters, I shared that, that in the Old Testament, the old way and according to the old law, as that circumcision was that physical thing that was created to uh, show the covenant. And the covenant, the promise that God made to the people and the people that they made to God to, to follow him. And, of course, we know the rest of the story. That's why they wandered out in the wilderness for 40 years. But God still kept his promise. He didn't let them go. They turned their back on God and they tried to say, well, he left us alone. Look, we're out here wandering around for 40 years. Ah, but didn't your shoes not ever need to be fixed? Didn't your clothes never become threadbare? Didn't he deliver quail and pheasant and mamma, the bread of heaven? and yet still complained instead of thanking because the nature was not to be thankful to God. The nature was to gripe and try to put blame somewhere, which is exactly what we do. We do that thing. I have heard people talk about it. Well, if God loved us so much, why does he do this? And why did you hold the phone, brothers and sisters? It's not God doing it. It's Man has done it and made the choice and has turned their back on God and established their path in their selves, righteous arrogance. All this stuff that's going on. This is not because God is doing it. It's because mammon has turned her back. This is what we need to do, brothers and sisters, as a nation, as a whole. We need to pray for repentance. And the place that it needs to start is in me. I need to change. The change needs to be in me. And then the change starts. The next part of the chain is in the church. Churches need to repent because there are many that have actually stepped aside and compromised the word of God, compromising the truth. And honestly, that makes them a coward. If you're willing to compromise truth because others are pointing at you and it's becoming fairly aggressive, which it will, and the times are just starting to get that way. Remember, Jesus Christ established that fact already when he was teaching the disciples that brother will be against brother and sons will turn in fathers and daughters against mothers. And why? Because of the truth. And hate to make this an analogy, but in A Few Good Men, remember when the, uh, the colonel was on the stand, Jack Nicholson, you want the truth, you can't handle the truth. And that's exactly the problem. There are many that cannot handle the truth. Plato said it, and I've shared that with you before. No man is more hated than he who speaks the truth. Jesus Christ spoke the truth and they drove him into crucifixion and they took him. And here's the other thing too. Here's Pontius Pilate. Not a scriptural learned man, but was following the authority of Rome and governing with that authority. 
But because he was not so caught up in that written law that the Sanhedrin was so caught up in, what did he say? You want to crucify him? I find no fault in this man. I find truth. Pontius Pilate told the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees all that. I find no fault in him. And yet, because he wanted, he didn't want a revolt, an armed revolt, because he knew about the Zionists and he knew about all those things and, and uh, he had to try to maintain the peace. Otherwise, he'd be called on the carpet at Rome. And so he caved. He caved and he compromised. He stepped aside. And they cried for his crucifixion. And what did they do? Much is like what is going on today, brothers and sisters. They cried for his crucifixion. And they cried for the release of a convicted criminal. The release of a convicted criminal that more than likely would go right back into whatever it was that he was doing before. And instead, the one that came to share truth and life and light to whosoever would hear the truth, he was crucified. But in that crucifixion, his sacrifice for us bathed in his blood, washed by baptism. We are cleansed, brothers and sisters. We have that opportunity. Let me continue. Verse 12, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off are made die by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, the enmity being Satan, driving the derision and the separatism. And I love that word, he might reconcile both. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, and whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, that is truth. Jesus Christ came to give all that opportunity so that we would not be separate. And I love that word reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, it has to do with recycling to make something new that was old. The old way is to be separate, to be apart. It's us against them and me against you. And you did this and you did that. And I did this and I did that. And it takes all that arrogance away. I 
I shared that Latin phrase. I love that too. And this is what it's talking about here is being humble. Being humble. Humilitas oxidit superbium. Humility kills pride. We have to humble ourselves and not be so arrogant and prideful and say, Father God, what are you trying to teach me? Take me out of the middle of this. Take I out of, out of that equation, Father God, for you are sovereign Lord. You are greater than all things. You are greater than he who is in the world. And you I want within me. The prince of the power of the air has no authority, Father God. You are authority. And Jesus Christ gave us as his disciples that authority. We have that authority, brothers and sisters. And what is the word disciple? Where does that come from? Discipline. Discipline. And the discipline of practicing the truth. The discipline of studying the truth. Staying in the word. We have to practice the meditation, the focus on God, and resetting of our minds. It's spoken of right here in the word of Paul. Jesus Christ talks about reestablishing the mindset and the focus on God. And brothers and sisters, we have to be obedient to those things in the ways that are the laws that are established here. The word tells us that we have to be under that authority but not as separatists. And it's not preaching us to be a lawless society. Laws are established for, for the good of all, but it also, depending on what the character of the heart is, it allows for that separatist attitude, us against them. Oh, they're not obeying the law, so it's us against them. No. No, brothers and sisters, we have to remain in intercessory prayer. Paul reminded that it has to be established. In this first letter to Timothy, who was the pastor minister, the angel, the shepherd of the church of Ephesus, Ephesians. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Brothers and sisters, at the time, the old English, it's, it just counted men. Don't get your knickers in a twist over that and get all offended because it didn't say men and women. Mammon. We have to pray for all men and women together. And just like in the feeding of the 5,000 in the Sermon on the Mount when they were talking about the feeding of all of them and they established the, the 5,000. Well, that's not quite an accurate number because the number actually would fill a football stadium. In those days, men were the ones that were counted because they were the head of the household. And in those days, most men were married. And most families, on the average, had four kids. We're just trying to round this off to make the math easier. So you can establish that. Five times two is 10,000. And then you time that by four. Now you're talking about 40,000 people that through a miracle of loaves and fish, Jesus Christ fed and there still was remnant left. So brothers and sisters, there are many things that we have to look in the truth, seek the truth, brothers and sisters. It's all about truth. It's all about praying for one another. And in verse two of the same letter to Timothy, for 
we have to pray for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodliness and honesty. And brothers and sisters, <laughs> oh my gosh, um, I've been around and uh, lived long enough to see that that's a that's that in itself is almost a joke because whenever you see good men or women in politics or anything that's involved. Um, not nice things happen to them. And you have good men. Martin Luther King Jr., what a fine man, one of my heroes. I loved his work because he was trying to establish a relationship between all men and women. And color did not matter at all. It was about being unified. It was about being together. And that man tried to reflect the gospel of the Holy Spirit and they took his life because he was speaking truth. They hated him because he spoke truth. And then there were those that tried to make it about the color of his skin. It may have become that, but it wasn't, brothers and sisters. It was about the truth that he spoke. He spoke truth and it drove others to search within themselves. They didn't like what they found. So rather than having to reflect on that, and have him to remind them of that, they took his life. The same thing that they did to Jesus Christ. They didn't want to hear the truth from Jesus. Jesus Christ wasn't coming down, and he never pointed the finger at anybody. He only established truth, and he got them to self-reflect. And what they didn't like was that man in the mirror. Brothers and sisters, I speak truth, and the truth is not of me. The truth is of the Holy Spirit and my Father God. And he has established and allowed for me to share the treasure of his word, of God, truth, knowledge, and wisdom with you. I am a conduit, a conduit to pour this out to whomever will hear the words and listen I become more fervent in this effort because, brothers and sisters, the time is drawing nigh. The assault on my personal, myself, my person, is becoming more heated, more established. And I count that as a gain. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable. But you know what? Why is he trying so hard? Why is he sending the minions against me so hard? Why? Because I make him nervous. And it's not about I, me. It's about God in me. And the truth that I share. And the attacks are personal against me. But he's trying to tear me down so that I will become discouraged and give up. I won't, brothers and sisters. Bring it on because God is greater than he who is in the world and the spirit is within me and Jesus Christ is in me. And that is the nature that I want to feed. That is the dog that I want to establish and make strong. The white dog and that nature as opposed to the other that beats within my chest. That is the one that I want to nurture and feed. And that's in love for you, brothers and sisters. I pray going out and coming in. Be brave. Be of a good spirit. Be alive for the truth that is 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the comfort that the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. Brothers and sisters, you have a good day, a blessed day. Abba Yahweh, thank you for your trust in me as the conduit for your word, your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom. Share with my brothers and sisters, and whosoever would have an ear to let them hear. Abba Yahweh, Aman. Yeshua, Aman. Parakritos, Aman. So, brothers and sisters, um, you know, I share with you often, and I'm going to repeat what I've told you before about how sometimes I can become very verbose and, and it gets a little lengthy, but I, I can't help to be excited and share the Word of God, and sometimes I just get that way. Um, you don't have to listen to the whole thing at one time. Pause it, come back, or if you choose that you don't want to listen, then simply don't. It's not going to hurt me or hurt my feelings in any way, shape, or form if you don't. It would sad me because this is the word of God, his truth, his knowledge, and wisdom. This is not about me. And this is about no validation from mammon or any one of you out there that listen. Quite honestly, I don't need that validation. The validation comes from God. And that is the greatest validation that any single one of us should be concerned with, not from what people are going to say about us or, you know, their opinions. Their opinions are not facts about anything. It is only their perception. So the validation that God sees and has is the only thing that matters. That's the only thing that is important. So let's get beyond some of these things. Um, the confirmation that I love is is when I can get up in the morning and I go through my devotional and God has something very specific for me that has something that I've either shared or something that has taken place. Um, and then I go to church and our lead pastor who or whoever is speaking um, leads in a confirmation about things that I've either been sharing with you or talking about or specifically for me. Um, so that being said, um, we've been talking about white noise and interference and distractions. And to remind you that white noise is, um, some of us that are my age will remember this, uh, some of the younger millennials or younger people that have no idea what I'm talking about. Or if you are um, a stereophile or uh someone that knows about radio technology, you'll know what white noise is. Um, as a younger person, if you fell asleep watching a late, late show and you woke up to go to bed or you were woken up because you hear this and you look at the TV screen and the broadcast is just, the screen is just a total blur. It looks like a um, a blizzard, a snow blizzard. That's all you see on the screen and you can hear the static. And that's all it is, is just static. Why? Because the broadcast has completed. There is nothing on the air. Uh, some stations will put a test pattern on the screen. and um, But that's just an indication that the broadcast is finished. Whatever's being said or whatever's being shown is stopped. 
Satan uses white noise and static in many different guises and many different shapes uh, and ways. And it's a distraction for us to get caught up in that. And I got caught up in it at work, honestly. Um, and I w- didn't, I didn't immediately, and this is what we have to remember. You get caught up in this and, and you get caught into this distraction. You get anything, that, those little bullet prayers that I was telling you about, I failed. Um, you call out on God, you talk to him and a little bullet quick prayer, uh, for the Holy Spirit to guard your tongue. And, uh, as I say, and I ask the Holy Spirit, I ask him to heap the coals on my tongue to keep me from, uh, responding, uh, in a derisive way or a hurtful way. I didn't go into any of that, um, but was very difficult for me because through the course of the evening at work, the assault came um, heavily. And what goes completely against our natures in the midst of those things is to, uh, because of the distraction, you don't call out to God. You don't talk to God. You don't, Dad, help. Abba, Yahweh, help me. We don't do that. Instead, we get caught up into the um, what is uh, what was shared today was um, the me and you or us and you sort of thing. And this is also perpetuated by the law, um, the written established law. By no means is this trying to say that we should be a lawless society, but it's we have to be cautious and remember that it's not us and them and me and you and looking at one another that way. And Jesus Christ came and the law as the Sanhedrin was kept heaping that on him. And it was all about us and them and the way that they went through society and they were causing a separation between themselves and the people. Um, and they did that constantly, us and them. Oh, we're the righteous because we study the law. We know the law and the Torah says this and the law of Moses. And within the Sanhedrin, again, I share there were a couple sects of Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and there were those that believed in only the first five books of the Bible and that was the law of Moses. And there were those that held on to that so firmly and they all were ganging up on Jesus And they were doing that because he was not adhering to the law as they studied it. And they were causing his separation from them. And it was us against you. And that's exactly what it came to. And it came to that point where they crucified him because of that. Now, Jesus did not come to cause a revolt and and not be of the law, but he came instead as a reformation, as as our lead pastor today was putting the reformation um, or a revolution. You can look at it that way. But again, this is not about becoming a lawless society. It's about not separating ourselves and hiding behind that as an us against them or you against me or anything of that nature, because God created us as brothers and sisters 
He created all of us. And the character of our heart is established by us as a free will creation that God gave us a free choice. I choose instead, and I, I failed at it, and I immediately repented and I prayed, and, and God, being the loving Father He is, allowed my forgiveness and, and just grabbed me and, and hugged me and said, I'm, I'm glad you saw that what you did was not right and that I, that I forgive you, I love you, and kissed me and it pulled me in and hugged me. And I could feel all that going on, but I had to I had to repent for what I did because it became a me against them. And they were very they were very racially motivated. They were very adherent to their belief and very, very angry and very mean. But in the midst of that, what I'd failed to do is God thank you for being with me. Holy Spirit, guide me, guide my tongue, hold my tongue so that I don't respond in like means and, and ways. Um, I wasn't getting like that, but I was not happy and it didn't make me feel well. But have to remember this too, brothers and sisters, that those type of things are not a personal assault. And I completely forgot about what the message was that was delivered to me was this is not who you are, but what you do. And I failed to remember that. And I failed to shoot out that quick prayer to the Holy Spirit. And I failed to thank God for being with me in the midst of whatever it is that we're in. And it's very easy for us to be distracted and not to do that. And it goes, it's contrary to our nature. Our nature is about me and you and us and them. That is, that's the nature of the beast that is within us. And in the midst of those, we have to be able to thank God for being with us, giving us strength and guiding us. And in the midst of it, thank. And instead of crying out, why God, why, why is this? Ask God what you're trying to teach me through this. And that's immediately what was shown later, which is for my repentance and that there was a lesson to make me stronger, brothers and sisters, we must be stronger in the unity that we establish and share with each other instead of separation and the separatist attitude that is being pushed and pandered by individuals out there. Today. Look around you, brothers and sisters, what is going on behind these lies and the distraction that's being perpetrated around us. And brothers and sisters, I'm sharing with you again, it is nothing but a bunch of lies. And it's being established and being manipulated by the prince of the air, the prince of the airways, and that is Satan. False evidence appearing real, brothers and sisters, and this goes in anything, not just exactly what the immediate thing that's going on here, but it, looking around at the world, and because of Fear, driving people, people are reacting. Control is being established. And separatism is being established. Instead of unification that we are brothers and sisters through the blood bath that Jesus Christ had given to us and the baptism washing us clean, that we're brothers and sisters. And it establishes the fact, and this is scriptural, the fact that we are able to be brothers and sisters, 
heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ and the established kingdom of heaven. And we are called to be that, brothers and sisters. We have to be the light in the separatist attitude, in the derisive nature that's being pushed on everyone. People are fighting over the fact that they're either with us or against us, period. Oh, you don't have a mask on, then you've got to be one of them. And, and brothers and sisters, people have been shot over this thing. People have been killed over this. Really? The derision is driving and people have become so hateful and angry. But brothers and sisters, I'm going to share this. This is really, this is powerful stuff. And it comes from Ephesians chapter 2. I'm going to read through the, the entire chapter quickly um, and share with you. And you hath he quickened who were dead and trespassed the sin. Now remember, I shared that with you, that, that word quickened because of the, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ gave by dying on the cross and that we were quickened by that fact. And, and remember what that, that um, quickened. It makes us uh, animated. It provides for us to, in, in the uh, scripture and in the gospel. Um, the quickening is animation. The appearing, appealing, arousing, bracing. It challenges us to be truthful, united, electrifies us, energizes us, enlivens, exhilarates, inspires. It is the intercession that we have to have for one another in prayer for one another. It causes us to be moved. It vitalizes. It's a thrilling, provocative, thought-provoking process that is established by the, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And that is the quickening of our spirits, brothers and sisters. And that's what was done by his sacrifice. Where in the time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, Satan. They call him the prince of the air. Brothers and sisters, you look around and you see what's going on with the use of the cellular telephone and the electron. Everybody goes to that thing for, the, for what they perceive to be the truth. Well, it wouldn't be in the computer or it wouldn't be in that if it wasn't true. Brothers and sisters, yes, it would be. And I watch, and, and I came to a realization today after the, after the message from uh, our lead pastor, Jamie, Dr. Jamie Miller, and the established truth through the word is, and, and I came to that realization that as I watch <clears throat> pedestrians that are so into this thing and they've got it in front of their face that they walk against the red light, walk right into moving traffic, and because they're startled that people honk their horn at them, they look up and immediately, what do they do? They react. They'll flip somebody off or they start screaming out cursory expletives. They don't realize that they've done something dangerous and they shouldn't be doing. I watch people drive. I almost got hit twice on my way to church today and looking over and having to swerve 
And I look over and the person is in their telephone as they're driving and then comes up next to me because I honk my horn and swear by, they come up at the red light and they look over and they shrug their shoulders and look at me and put their hands up as if to, and, and roll the window down and what, what? They didn't even realize what was going on because they were so in-depth in this. And the realization that I came to is the fact that because Satan is driving the separation, he is looking to take people is looking for them to to be uh, destroyed as far as their living here, and that doesn't see. This is this is what he is. He's about death. He's about condemnation. He's about destruction. He's not about building up, loving, saving, and and redeeming anyone. So if he takes someone before they have a chance to repent or before they have a chance to be saved. He counts that as a victory for himself and his minions. And that's good for him. That's all he cares about. So the realization is that, my goodness gracious, he's trying to keep people so in-depth into this that if they, if, they, if they die, that they also perish. Now remember, there's a difference between just dying and perishing, brethren. So this is perishing is eternal separation from God, our Father, Creator, and the love of Jesus Christ and our loved ones, that we will for eternity be apart from that, that's perishing. But he's driving that, and if they die and they're separated, then they also perish. And he counts that as a feather in his cap or a notch in his little trophy. Brothers and sisters, be aware. Be aware of the truth. Be aware of the gospel of Jesus Christ is that everyone has an opportunity to be saved. And he is the prince of the air, the, power, the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, and the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Remember, brothers and sisters, I talk about the mind, and Jesus talks about the mind, and this is Paul talking about the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved. Remember, brothers and sisters, he's quickened us. He's enlivened us. He's animated us through the Spirit. He wants us to be alive. He wants us to be electrified in his truth and his knowledge, his wisdom and his love, and that we are brothers and sisters, heirs and joint heirs in Jesus Christ with the kingdom and the state of heaven. Verse six, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding richness of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Brothers and sisters, we don't save ourselves we are drawn by the conviction of the Holy Spirit and he takes hold of our heart and draws us to repentance that we ask for forgiveness. We accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Yes, God, I believe that Jesus Christ is your only begotten son, that he came for me and whosoever would hear the truth. And now I am brothers and sisters with, with them all. There is no us and them. There is no me and you. Father God, thank you. It's us only us. And I want to share your truth, your love with everyone. And 
Brothers and sisters, I pray, my Lord God, Abba Yahweh, Paracletos, that you take hold of me and the change and that it begin in me. Brothers and sisters, we can't look at one another and say, yeah, the world will change if you do this and you do that. No, the world will change and we will be different if the change is in me and I can reflect the light of Jesus Christ to other people and they can see the beacon that leads to the safe haven. Remember, brothers and sisters, reflected light is much more powerful than direct light. For whatever reasons, when I learned this in science and, and physics in school, I still can't quite wrap my head around it, but for some reason, refracted or reflected light or light that is bent is much more intense, which is why headlights have a reflective dome that's behind the actual bulb and it's reflected out. It becomes much brighter. And in ancient days, that uh, that Greek, I can't remember, I think it was in the the... I want to say it was in the harbor of Phoenicia, but it doesn't make any difference. It was this huge giant became one of the seven wonders of the world. And it was just ginormous. It was huge. It was tall. And on top of this, remember, there was no electricity and there was nothing back there. It was refracted light. It was bent light. It was reflected. It was an oil lamp. It burned oil. But the reflective surface that they polished and made it so bright behind that flame that this thing could be seen for miles in a darkened sea in a darkened night. And it drew the sailors to the safe haven. They knew if they, they traveled and they stayed to the right side of that, that uh, beacon, that they knew that was the entrance to the safe haven, the harbor where they needed to be. Brothers and sisters, if we reflect the light of Jesus Christ, and the word tells us that we need to reflect that light, we need to be brighter than this dark world that is constantly pushing derision, separation, hatred, and anger. And we need to reflect the light of Jesus Christ in us and be brighter than that darkness because why? Darkness cannot survive in light. Darkness will flee in light. And the minions and those that work for Satan hate light. They hate the light. They prefer to work in darkness. Brothers and sisters, Satan does not like the light. He prefers to function in darkness. It makes it easier for the Chaldeans, which remember is another uh, Bible-speak term for demons. They are powerful archers and hunters that use the fiery darts and arrows they shoot against us. And this is why we need to have on the full armor of God, brothers and sisters, it is also spoken of in Ephesians. Go to chapter six. We fight not against those things that are temporal and carnal on this face of this earth, brothers and sisters, but we fight against principalities of darkness, of darkness, the breastplate of righteousness and our shield of faith that allows us to survive the fiery darts and arrows that are shot at us by the enemy. But most importantly, brothers and sisters, most importantly is the helmet of our salvation to help us to reset our mind, to focus on our mind that we have Jesus Christ came to sacrifice for us, that we have God as our sovereign King and Lord, and that we have the Holy Spirit as our comforter. Our mindset must wrap around that and focus on that. And the helmet of our salvation that we put on is key. Remember, I've shared this with you before, brothers and sisters, that Satan attacks the mind. And why? Because it doesn't matter whatever your intellectual prowess is. That matters not. That is the weakest point of attack. 
And if you wear the helmet of your salvation and remind yourself constantly of the salvation, of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, you will be able to withstand the attack of the enemy, brothers and sisters. God made us a suit of armor, and it's reminded in the Bible by the writings of Paul to the church at Ephesus. We are a reminder of that. But brothers and sisters, what good does a suit of armor do for anyone if you don't put it on and you don't wear it? God made it for us. We have to put it on. It's not cumbersome. It really isn't. But there are those, and I've shared this with you before, they look at it as a matter of inconvenience. They look at it as taking them out of their comfort zone. They'd much rather sit back in their easy chair. Brothers and sisters, we have to be uncomfortable. We have to thank God for the discomfort that he establishes because God is with us whithersoever we go. He promises that. And today, brothers and sisters, at church, I was just so overwhelmed because they were crying out, to Yeshua, Haman, praiseworthy is God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. They are praiseworthy because they are with us wherever we go. We just have to talk to them. We have to call out to them. And as I failed in doing so myself last night and then repented of that very thing, the, the distraction that was thrown at me, and I walk right into it. I walk right into the distraction. Brothers and sisters, I pray. This is what I pray for you every single day. My going out, my coming in every day. Abba Yahweh, I pray for my strength so that I can stand up boldly, that I do not exhibit cowardice, and that I don't compromise your truth, Father God, and to help me be strong and courageous, to be of good courage. And I pray this for my brothers and sisters. And when I say brothers and sisters, I'm not just talking about brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. I'm talking about those in the world. Everyone has that chance and that opportunity. And we are brothers and sisters because God created us that way. But the character of the heart of many is not to follow that. God decided the tonation and the palette used for coloration on his creation. But the character of our heart is established by ourselves. And I've shared with you before, brothers and sisters, those two natures that beat within our chest. One I love, the other I detest. So which one do you feed and nurture? And as that uh, little, it was a, a difference in, in the man and his two dogs, the one was black and the one was white, and he kept having this dream and going back and kept going to, to his pastor because he didn't understand the dream. He wanted clarification. And what it was was that illustration of that good and the bad nature. And his pastor asked him, he said, well, which one, you know, because the, they were always fighting, the dogs were fighting constantly, and he said, well, which one won? And he said, the one that I fed the best. So leaving that rather open-ended so that the imagination that you use on that illustration, which one do you feed? Do you feed the darkness, the hatred, the derisiveness? Or do you feed, do you feed the love, the light, the white dog that is not about derisiveness, that it's about love, kindness, and reflecting the light of Jesus Christ to brothers and sisters. Going back into Ephesians 
chapter 2. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh being by hands. Remember, brothers and sisters, I shared that, that in the Old Testament, the old way and according to the old law, as that circumcision was that physical thing that was created to uh, show the covenant. And the covenant, the promise that God made to the people and the people that they made to God to, to follow him. And, of course, we know the rest of the story. That's why they wandered out in the wilderness for 40 years. But God still kept his promise. He didn't let them go. They turned their back on God, and they tried to say, well, he left us alone. Look, we're out here wandering around for 40 years. Ah, but didn't your shoes not ever need to be fixed? Didn't your clothes never become threadbare? Didn't he deliver quail and pheasant and mamma, the bread of heaven? And yet still complained instead of thanking because the nature was not to be thankful to God. The nature was to gripe and try to put blame somewhere, which is exactly what we do. We do that thing. I have heard people talk about it. Well, if God loved us so much, why does he do this? And why did you hold the phone, brothers and sisters? It's not God doing it. It's Man has done it and made the choice and has turned their back on God and established their path in their self's righteous arrogance. All this stuff that's going on, this is not because God is doing it. It's because mammon has turned their back. This is what we need to do, brothers and sisters, as a nation, as a whole. We need to pray for repentance. And the place that it needs to start is in me. I need to change. The change needs to be in me. And then the change starts. The next part of the chain is in the church. Churches need to repent because there are many that have actually stepped aside and compromised the word of God, compromising the truth. And honestly, that makes them a coward. If you're willing to compromise truth, because others are pointing at you and it's becoming fairly aggressive, which it will, and the times are just starting to get that way. Remember, Jesus Christ established that fact already when he was teaching the disciples that brother will be against brother and sons will turn in fathers and daughters against mothers. And why? Because of the truth. And I hate to make this an analogy, but... And a few good men remember when the uh, the colonel was on the stand, Jack Nicholson. You want the truth, you can't handle the truth. And that's exactly the problem. There are many that cannot handle the truth. Plato said it, and I've shared that with you before. No man is more hated than he who speaks the truth. Jesus Christ spoke the truth, and they drove him into crucifixion, and they took him. And here's the other thing too. Here's Pontius Pilate, not a scriptural learned man, but was following the authority of Rome and governing with that authority. 
But because he was not so caught up in that written law that the Sanhedrin was so caught up in, what did he say? You want to crucify him? I find no fault in this man. I find truth. Pontius Pilate told the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees all that. I find no fault in him. And yet, because he wanted, he didn't want a revolt, an armed revolt, because he knew about the Zionists and he knew about all those things and, and uh, he had to try to maintain the peace. Otherwise, he'd be called on the carpet at Rome. And so he caved. He caved and he compromised. He stepped aside. And they cried for his crucifixion. And what did they do? Much is like what is going on today, brothers and sisters. They cried for his crucifixion. And they cried for the release of a convicted criminal. The release of a convicted criminal. That more than likely would go right back into whatever it was that he was doing before. And instead the one that came to share truth and life and light to whosoever would hear the truth. He was crucified. But in that crucifixion, his sacrifice for us, bathed in his blood, washed by baptism, we are cleansed, brothers and sisters. We have that opportunity. Let me continue. Verse 12. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, ye who sometimes were far off, are made die by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace who hath made both one and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both unto God in one body by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, the enmity being Satan, driving the derision and the separatism. And I love that word, he might reconcile both. And came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. Now therefore ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone and whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, that is truth. Jesus Christ came to give all that opportunity so that we would not be separate. And I love that word reconciliation. Brothers and sisters, it has to do with recycling to make something new that was old. The old way is to be separate, to be apart. It's us against them and me against you. And you did this and you did that. And I did this and I did that. And it takes all that arrogance away.
I shared that Latin phrase. I love that too. And this is what it's talking about here is being humble. Being humble. Humilitas oxidit superbium. Humility kills pride. We have to humble ourselves and not be so arrogant and prideful and say, Father God, what are you trying to teach me? Take me out of the middle of this. Take I out of, out of that equation, Father God, for you are sovereign Lord. You are greater than all things. You are greater than he who is in the world. And you I want within me. The prince of the power of the air has no authority, Father God. You are authority. And Jesus Christ gave us as his disciples that authority. We have that authority, brothers and sisters. And what is the word disciple? Where does that come from? Discipline. Discipline. And the discipline of practicing the truth. The discipline of studying the truth. Staying in the word. We have to practice the meditation, the focus on God, and resetting of our minds. It's spoken of right here in the word of Paul. Jesus Christ talks about reestablishing the mindset and the focus on God. And brothers and sisters, we have to be obedient to those things in the ways that are the laws that are established here. The word tells us that we have to be under that authority but not as separatists. And it's not preaching us to be a lawless society. Laws are established for, for the good of all, but it also, depending on what the character of the heart is, it allows for that separatist attitude, us against them. Oh, they're not obeying the law, so it's us against them. No. No, brothers and sisters, we have to remain in intercessory prayer. Paul reminded that it has to be established. In his first letter to Timothy, who was the pastor minister, the angel, the shepherd of the churches of Ephesus, Ephesians. I exhort therefore that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercession, and giving of thanks be made for all men. Brothers and sisters, at the time in the old English, it's, it just counted men. Don't get your knickers in a twist over that and get all offended because it didn't say men and women. Mammon. We have to pray for all men and women together. And just like in the feeding of the 5,000 in the Sermon on the Mount when they were talking about the feeding of all of them and they established the, the 5,000. Well, that's not quite an accurate number because the number actually would fill a football stadium. In those days, men were the ones that were counted because they were the head of the household. And in those days, most men were married. And most families, on the average, had four kids. We're just trying to round this off to make the math easier. So you can establish that. Five times two is 10,000. And then you time that by four. Now you're talking about 40,000 people that through a miracle of loaves and fish, Jesus Christ fed and there still was remnant left. So brothers and sisters, there are many things that we have to look in the truth. Seek the truth, brothers and sisters. It's all about truth. It's all about praying for one another. And in verse 2 of the same letter to Timothy, for 
we have to pray for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all goodliness and honesty. And brothers and sisters, <laughs> oh my gosh, um, I've been around and uh, lived long enough to see that that's a that's that in itself is almost a joke because. Whenever you see good men or women in politics or anything that's involved, um, not nice things happen to them. And you have good men. Martin Luther King Jr., what a fine man, one of my heroes. I loved his work because he was trying to establish a relationship between all men and women. And the color did not matter at all. It was about being unified. It was about being together. And that man tried to reflect the gospel of the Holy Spirit and they took his life because he was speaking truth. They hated him because he spoke truth. And then there were those that tried to make it about the color of his skin. It may have become that, but it wasn't, brothers and sisters. It was about the truth that he spoke. He spoke truth. And it drove others to search within themselves. They didn't like what they found. So rather than having to reflect on that and have him to remind them of that, they took his life. The same thing that they did to Jesus Christ. They didn't want to hear the truth from Jesus. Jesus Christ wasn't coming down. And he never pointed the finger at anybody. He only established truth. And he got them to self-reflect. And what they didn't like was that man in the mirror. Brothers and sisters, I speak truth. And the truth is not of me. The truth is of the Holy Spirit and my Father God. And he has established and allowed for me to share the treasure of his word of God truth, knowledge, and wisdom with you. I am a conduit, a conduit to pour this out to whomever will hear the words and listen. I become more fervent in this effort because, brothers and sisters, the time is drawing nigh. The assault on my personal, myself, my person, is becoming more heated, more established. And I count that as a gain. Uh, it makes me uncomfortable. But you know what? Why is he trying so hard? Why is he sending the minions against me so hard? Why? Because I make him nervous. And it's not about I, me. It's about God in me. And the truth that I share. And the attacks are personal against me. But he's trying to tear me down so that I will become discouraged and give up. I won't, brothers and sisters. Bring it on because God is greater than he who is in the world. And the spirit is within me. And Jesus Christ is in me. And that is the nature that I want to feed. That is the dog that I want to establish and make strong. The white dog. And that nature as opposed to the other that beats within my chest. That is the one that I want to nurture and feed. And that's in love for you, brothers and sisters, I pray going out and coming in, be brave, be of a good spirit, be alive for the truth that is 
the gospel of Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the comfort that the Holy Spirit is with us all the time. Brothers and sisters, you have a good day, a blessed day.